All right. And welcome back to Social Biology. I'm your co-host, Jeremy. And I am Morgan. And we're back after a two-week hiatus and also a yes. second take. So something strange yes, happened. Take two. Um, <laughs> take two. Do you, ever, do you ever ask somebody how they're doing and then they don't ask you how you're doing? Um, Here's the thing. I When I was... <laughs> When I was a young fool, I would do exactly what you just said. Uh, they'd say, how are you doing? Like, I'm good. How are you? And I always felt weird just reciprocating what someone said. I don't know why that changed. Like, probably in my mid-20s, I thought, you know what? I should come up with something else, you know? Because sometimes uh-huh. they would say, hey, what's up? And I'd say, hey, what's up? You know, and you'd, none of you would answer the what's up question. <laughs> it just yeah. replaces. It just says hi. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, or you could be the grammar police and say, I'm doing well. Thank I, you. Okay, okay <laughs> shut up, Morgan. I do that, okay? <laughs> no, no. I only ask because before we started recording, you're like, hey, it's been two weeks. How have you been? I'm like, no, oh, it's been crazy. And I did not ask you how you've been. So I no, feel that, like a I total think that ass. Is, that's why I I think that's up. perfectly fine. I think that's 100% oh, normal. okay. Well, uh, I, I don't like mind, ass, but it, I don't mind it. Uh, and I feel I feel like it's good because it, it builds this asymmetrical conversation, which I think is usually the best kind, because if you're just repeating what the other person said, then that sucks. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, that that's like me whenever I meet like friends of friends. They're like, hey, Morgan, this is so-and-so, so-and-so, this is Morgan. Hey, what's mm-hmm. up? Yeah, what's up? And no connection. Reciprocation, yeah, like, but no connection. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The what's up uh-huh. is, it's saying hi. It's not even saying, uh-huh. yeah. you know, whatever. It's the question version of, hi, that's all I want to say to you. Yeah, like, hello. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> if you meet someone for the first time, they're like, hey, what's up? Like, oh, like, I'm going through a horrible divorce. You'd be like, well... <laughs> Bye. Like, like, (laughs) (laughs) peace out. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I know. So yeah, sorry I asked. Yeah, and so I, yeah, I think it's I think it's perfectly fine to not say how's it going. If I don't know, I feel like it's a thing that people tend to get hung up on if they're not careful. So, Uh but yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm fine. Well, especially if someone says, how's it going? And I feel like they really mean it. And then I say something at the very end. I could say like, and that's the end of what's been going on. Like, what's going on with you? I think what's going on with you is a lot better than what's up. Not because it's more formal, but because I think, I don't know, maybe saying what's up is just saying hi. I think slang has uh-huh. definitely turned that phrase not into what it, it what it used to be. A question, an inquiry. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's no longer same that. thing with like how's it going like i, I don't yeah. know <laughs> That's so yeah smart. what's what's going on does sound better than how's it going but then then the response is nothing yeah. much and then you're like wow you are so boring thank you <laughs> or or you get the uh my mother just died like yeah you, yeah, you exactly. get one or the other yeah the, the non-response or response. the too much information response so yeah yeah pretty funny so i feel like if you if you met someone who like let's say for the very first time or you're being introduced to someone you should always be a little more specific in your conversation because if i have a friend that i know very well i can say how is it going and if they tell me details of their life i am actually interested because i know this person you know but Mm -hmm. if it's someone i don't know at all and let's say i'm being introduced let's say at a party 
And I can say like, oh, how's your birthday been? You know, it's yeah, they're going to be very polite and nice, but they're not going to say like, oh, not much. You know, they're not going to say that. They're yeah. going to give you a specific <laughs> response. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, yeah. oh, it's been great. Or like, I, I love this party. Yeah, they're probably not going to say anything negative because, again, they just met you. But it kind of helps them build that little bridge. They don't they don't have to say the same old response of, oh, not much or pretty good or whatever. So, yeah. I get that. I again, yeah, the more the less you know someone, the more specific your conversation should be when it comes yeah. to things like that. Oh, believe me, I've been implicating last lesson uh, uh with generic and specificity as far oh, as deception goes. I'm yeah, glad. I've, how and how yeah, are the results been? They've been pretty good. Pretty good so far. <laughs> so, um I'm eager to expand on that in some way, but I don't know. Thinking of conversation, another thing that drives me crazy is getting out of a conversation. And like, I I don't know. I have this problem where I can't be the one to finish it. It's Mm, like, okay. It's like, it'll just drag out, just won't stop. It's like, okay, well, cool. And then like silence. And it's like, oh, so what else is going on instead of, okay, see you later. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) I, I feel like there's awkwardness in our hellos and also our, inability to say goodbye but maybe that's just me yeah Um, and i think in the same kind of way i am always i always have a an arsenal of conversation enders or things i could be doing in any given situation uh uh-huh uh so i it really does depend where you are and of course i'm normally in the places that i'm comfortable with like i'm at work or i'm at home or or something and so i know the the outs i can take so if i'm at work it's very simple i can just say i sorry i gotta go do something and boom you're out no one's gonna say no you don't like you know (laughs) Uh it's at work Uh uh-huh um but yeah if you're in a situation that you're let's say yeah you're unfamiliar you're visiting someone somewhere for the first time for some social event uh the go-to excuse i normally have is I need to check up on something or someone that I know at that place. You know, like, oh, hey, like I need to ask so-and-so a question. And they're like, oh, okay. And, you know, they give you the go-ahead. So uh-huh. it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's really hard to, without knowing a specific scenario, explain exactly what I do. Because I, I'm also of the mind that your brain is like this black box that doesn't always, it doesn't tell you what it's doing. It just does what it does. And so uh-huh. <laughs> sometimes you get solutions to things. You're like, wow, I didn't even think about that. And it's here in my mind. And so I feel like yeah. this is one of those things that my brain is constantly working on the solution. It doesn't tell me the answer. It doesn't tell me the process. It's like, okay, here's the answer. I'm just not going to uh-huh. tell you how I did it. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, then you get to the point where you're elevating yourself without even knowing why. Exactly. Yes. Um, so. Yeah. You, you know, what? one of the worst things, and this is me being ADD, I like in conversations, especially over the phone, like if I'm at work and I'm talking to somebody on the phone, I will check out for a few moments and then come back to the conversation and think we're talking about something that we are not talking about. Um, mm. f- for example, um, this week, it, it's been a crazy couple weeks and we can dive into some of that if you want, but um my wife decided it's best to not be part-time employed anymore and be full-time caretaker of my child, right? Okay. And um, it, it was kind of stressful at first, but, you know, it worked out. And um, my mother called me earlier this week while I was at work 
It was like, um, oh, I think it's going to be, or no, she brought up the podcast because she listens to us and she thinks I'm an idiot and you're very intelligent. <laughs> but um, yeah, so she, you know, she's an athlete and, you know, has done strongman competitions, competed in the Arnold, has world records in certain things. Um, wow. Anyways, she wants to start her own little thing where she interviews athletes of all different sports and stuff. So I, you know, was helping her get some recording stuff. And anyways, we talk about the podcast a lot and how it works and recording and editing and stuff like that. So we're talking about the podcast. And at some point, I checked out for maybe three seconds. Oh, no. (laughs) I checked out for three seconds and came back to, and it was her saying... I think what you guys are doing is so wonderful and so important and amazing and it'll it'll be so much better for your future. And I was like, wow, she feels really good about my podcast. <laughs> this is so cool. I'm so I'm like way more excited to do the podcast now. Like, it, you know, some words of affirmation go a long way because it's so easy to be negative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And uh, yeah, it turns out she was talking about my wife staying home with the baby and then yeah. that, like killed the whole thing. <laughs> but I do that so often where I check out for two seconds and the conversation's already like somewhere else. And I don't know. Uh we're, conversating in words are crazy yeah so when you check out where do you go what are you doing honestly most of the time <laughs> this, this is gonna sound so bad uh most of the time it's like nowhere like you you said the brain is a black box my brain is like a black hole like oh, I, I can see. just turn it off for a couple seconds but um I get that really bad when I have anxiety. Mm. Um, and I don't get anxiety very often, but under pressure, sometimes at work I get it where, I don't know, there's just moments where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't do anything. And I check out for a few moments and then come back to and get going. But the worst, and I think I've mentioned this before, was testing. And like, I was a 3.98 student and I would bomb tests. I I would just check out and like couldn't focus and all these things. So I wonder if it's got something to do with anxiety and um, really kind of amplifies itself in test taking. Um, so I, I don't know if there's some correlation to me working and having a conversation, trying to do both at once and just checking out of both, <laughs> just going blank mind. But but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no. And I feel like uh, specifically when you talked about tests, I like I am a very good test taker. Uh, Extremely good, actually. (laughs) Like I cannot really understand the material very well and and still do really well in the test just because I'm aware of the like the little the patterns a teacher might take in making what answers right, what answers wrong. And so Uh even if I don't know the actual answer, I can kind of look at the test and what I've done before and kind of see like, okay, I understand his style. I can kind of guess this question based on what he has done before. Uh-huh. Uh, which w- when I told that to the, the professor, he thought I was crazy. <laughs> uh, but you anyway. told him your strategy? No, I did not. Like I said, my blame is a, it's a, I, I didn't say, I, like, I don't know the process specifically. I just told him. Oh, Sometimes I look at just, a question uh-huh. and I might not understand. I don't think maybe I completely didn't study for that particular one or whatever. But because you have... Your other questions were in this way. I can infer what the answer might be, uh, and I and, and that particular question, I got it. 
right and he just thought i guessed it but anyway uh yeah i think but i, I i'm a, even though i'm really good at testing i'm aware of how problematic testing actually is it's actually not a good way of ascertaining what someone's level of you know competence or even how much they've learned from a subject because it puts you in a scenario that is so different than what not only how you're learning but also how you'll be using that learning in a real life situation uh-huh. uh, if you you know i can't imagine the only thing i can think of is like if you're on the bomb squad and you're defusing a bomb there's no scenario where you're like put into a room that you cannot leave with no resources to solve a problem in a timed manner exactly like that just doesn't happen, you know. <laughs> that, that's why I found projects and essays so much more effective in getting the info in my brain rather than memorizing and stressing about picking right answers. I don't know. I I bombed at tests, but no, I get what you mean. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and, and nothing is more. Uh, there is no major or learning subject that's more that relates to this more than uh, computer programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm not a computer programmer. I know very I would say nothing. <laughs> I would say very little, but I probably know nothing about computer programming. Uh, but I follow a few people who are, and I see sometimes how they work because they post videos about it. Uh-huh. And very often, if they don't know how to do a particular thing, they say like, "Well, in theory, I could like write a code for this. It'll take me a long time, and it'll be really rough and and gnarly." It's like or I can look up online and see what someone else has done and just almost literally copy, copy what they did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and as long as I know what I'm doing, as long as I know the parameters of my what I want this function to do, it, I can do that. If uh-huh. I didn't have any training in coding, I wouldn't know what to look for. I wouldn't know if something's problematic. So, And then they do it, and it's, very, it's a very common practice, even for people in a professional setting. Uh, so... And that's a good thing. I think people think that being 100% self-reliant is like a skill you should have. And to a certain degree, yes, you should. But for the most part, uh, if you don't know how to take what other people have done and use it, that's what makes us human, right? That's what makes us people is the fact that we can learn from other people. You know, problem solving, utilizing resources outside your own brain is a form of self-reliance, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Have you ever seen the memes that are like what I do or what my friends think I do yes. and what I actually do? There was one because um, old man. I, th- I old think memes. I uh, I love <laughs> I love memes. Memes are great, but They're yes, so this one is very old. Um, so I I work or I worked. I actually quit this week. I'm oh, really happy shit. I did. <laughs> yeah, I I could get into that because it kind of goes into the whole conversation and like saying things and like misinterpreting or checking out or Uh-oh. misreading, especially in text. Anyways, I worked with uh, three programmers to create a video game. I was on a writing team. You know, I think I told you about this. Yes, and you, um, did. you did. After 18 months of dedicating time like it was my part-time job with my partner and the other two not doing jack shit, I finally quit. And it has been been the biggest like lift off my shoulders. And it's amazing. But anyways, I don't know anything about coding and programming and making a video game. I can kind of write a story. I cannot code. Anyways, I saw this meme and uh, it was it was one of the YouTube short videos. 
and it said like what my friends think I do. And it's a dude in like a suit with black glasses, like matrix green digital numbers are going down the screen. (laughs) He's typing away like he's coding or hacking. And then it like flips to what I actually do. And uh, it's this dude Googling something, copies it, pastes it in his code, and is like, oh, thank hell that worked. <laughs> like, and so I sent it to all those programmers, and they're like, we're lucky if we even get to copy something and it works. That's like the best feeling ever. And so yeah. it's it's actually really funny. So, yeah, utilizing what's already been done and what – I mean, could you imagine – I mean, being in biology – could you imagine if they're like, okay, start research from ground zero? Yeah. And you're no, like, I can't base it awful. off of anything. So I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, it's it's true that in uh, a lot of scientific fields, you need both. You need to rely on the information that's before you, but you also need to be willing to challenge it. I think uh-huh. that there's there's a growing <clears throat> uh, there's a growing kind of feeling that all that scientists do is they piggyback off of each other and then they just like make stuff up and whatever. But like, that's not the case at all. Like a lot of times you are literally disproving a very specific set of rules uh, or you're finding an exception to it. Just every time you make a new discovery, you basically have to do that. And that's how it's supposed to work. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. Science is never, if you ever meet a scientist, uh, a serious one, uh, they, you'll find that they almost never say like yes or no when it comes to questions to their field, uh, because again, like I said before, there are exceptions to literally everything. Uh, for example, you can say, "Oh, uh, plants make their own food, and animals have to eat f- the food from an outside source." And I would say, "Yes, almost always, uh, because we have found animals that make their own food, and we have found plants that eat." things parasitically and so huh you can't you can't just make a blade yeah it's really can't make rare a definitive answer but yeah and if of course if you're teaching a child you're like yeah guess what this is what i'm going to tell you because i'm not going to load you with every exception because that's not the point you know you're i'm not going to really go little. into why a guinea pig eats its feces but yeah no rabbits no. do that too yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> I know that's not what you mean but that's what i thought when like an animal makes its own food my guinea pigs would eat out of their anuses anyways Sorry. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, rabbits <laughs> ferment their own poop. They dig it underground, they ferment it, and then they dig it up later when, like, mold has grown on it, and they eat it because that's what? another source of food. I didn't know that. Not all rabbits. It's very specific specific kinds. But, uh, it's no, but what I'm saying. Yeah, it's kind of, well, if not if you're the <laughs> rabbit, it's delicious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I was saying that there are literally animals that when they eat certain plants, instead of digesting them, they literally move the chlorophyll to their skin and produce food like plants do through through the sun. Huh. Uh, there's there's a little creature called an algae sheep. Uh, you can look it up. They're kind of adorable. Uh, but it's totally an animal, but they're really green, and they're filled with, like, little algae because it's making food for them. So. Interesting. Uh, That's pretty uh, neat. Things like that, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I agree with you when it comes to, um, like, learning and utilizing your resources and... Like, just you don't start from scratch, which is why I've always been a fan, I, more so in university. When I was in high school, we never had this kind of open book, open note test. Uh, it was always like you're taking a test in the classroom or maybe a standardized test or whatever. And it was, I don't, I can't think of a single time when it, I had an open note test. Uh, but at university, I definitely, it wasn't all the time, but it was more times than, than not that 
you would have some resource at least outside of just your brain. Some uh, sort of reference. Yeah, like you can take a sheet of paper with whatever you want on it, or you can bring the textbook or your notes, or sometimes it was like you take a take home test. You can use anything you your heart desires as long as you're not like literally copying one another. So, but yeah, then I did have tests where, yeah, you're in this room and someone's literally watching you and you cannot use anything outside of pretty much what's in your head. And that can be yeah. really, uh, really stressful. Daunting. There, yeah. I, I remember in my, one of my chemistry classes in high school, it was a college level chemistry class, but, you know, run in a high school. And one mm-hmm. of the first tests, it was like, okay, you're not going to have a periodic table for reference and you need to know these 20 elements, everything about oh, them down gosh. to the digits. And I'm like, who the fuck would ever do that? Yeah. Not use a periodic table for reference in chemistry. And it was, oh my gosh. Yeah, I bombed that. But <laughs> anyways, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, wow. But... Sorry, I'm that boring. No, I, I, mean, I literally just woke up, remember. I, I, I was in bed up until like 7.45. So. I know. I, oh, you know, it's funny. I was going to ask how daylight savings affects you since it's in the middle of your day, kind of, rather yeah, than it's, it's, in the middle of your day. Yeah, it's interesting because I was... Because I, I work from Saturday night to Sunday morning, and so I was literally awake when it the clock went to one fifty nine to three a.m. Uh-huh. Uh, and it all it really does for me is it makes my mornings darker when I go home, which is nice, uh, but my evenings lighter when I go to work. Uh huh. Uh, so I, which I feel like is is good because when I wake up, it's nice for it to be light outside. And when I'm going home, it's nice for it to be dark outside just because your body's used to that. But so that day uh, when you worked, was it like jumping an hour in time? A little bit, because since it's (laughs) in the middle of your afternoon, like you still can decide when you go to sleep or when you eat and things like that. So you have more control Uh over daylight savings once you're awake all night. Uh, Because if it happens, like when you go to bed and it happens when you sleep, you just feel like an hour of sleep has been stolen from you or t- exactly. you know, given to you or whatever. Yeah. But And so, but if you're awake, you're like, well, I can just choose to go to bed an hour early or an hour later, depending on what time of year it is. And therefore it doesn't really affect you. So it's Probably really nice. a little bit easier. Yeah, that's fine. It's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, uh, what were we saying? Uh, tests, a STEM, not using periodic tables. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> as time has gone on, I've, when I was in school, High school, especially, and in college, well, maybe double, especially in college, I felt like the system was definitely geared in my favor uh, because I hate, I was never good at doing homework, not because it was hard, but mostly because I just didn't care. And so I would just leave assignments, they would be late, or I'd never do them. And so sometimes my grade, especially in middle school, sometimes my grades would be really low because they relied more on homework assignments and things like that rather than like tests. But uh-huh. of course in high school and even more so in, in university, the test is almost the only thing they really care about. I had some classes that had four tests, no homework assignments that had any grade worth. And that was it. The tests were a hundred percent. What you have really? to do. Really? Even in high mm-hmm. school? Uh, no, sorry. This was in university. The university. Okay. Cause I was going to say, I don't think I ever had a high school class where it was so heavily weighted like that. I um, had a, I had a high school class where the t- final was worth 25% of your grade. So in theory you could pass, even if you got a zero on the final, you can get a C, which is acceptable, I guess. 
uh-huh. uh, but you wouldn't. But I had classes in university where no, the tests were sixty percent of your grade, or maybe even like a hundred percent in some cases. So you could not fail tests and still pass the class, even if you did amazing on the so-called homework. Um, but I and so, but since I was so, I'm really so. Here's the things I'm good at when it comes to schoolwork. I'm really good at test taking. I'm really good at writing essays and I'm really good at um, like at home projects, which aren't really as common as the other ones. But but the, just doing those two things, you can pass almost every single class because either yeah. you're doing a big writing assignment like in English or sometimes some of my classes had a writing assignment or you're taking a test and boom, you're good. You're solid. You're golden. Like <laughs> I didn't have to worry too much about it. Yeah. Uh, but I did understand that the system was still broken because there would be people who were really good and they knew everything. But like you said, they just had like the moments of test anxiety is really real. And you can forget all the things you knew just a few minutes ago because you're in a weird situation or a weird environment that you weren't normally in. Uh-huh. Um, especially the university I went to, we had like a testing center and the testing center is where it's like a separate building really close to the university, but it's like slightly, you can walk there, but it's, it's owned by the school, but it's run by different people. And there's people taking tests all around you that they're not taking your test. They're just taking any random test. Yeah. And like they have monitors that are watching you. And when you check in, they have to make sure like, okay, can you use a calculator? Can you use this? Like we want to see what you're bringing into this room. And so it's not like even in your classroom, it's like in this totally weird place. They have like white noise machines there that block out any sound. And it's just like a super stressful, even for me as a good test taker, it was an extremely stressful environment. I was going to say it's only, totally foreign. Yeah. You only yeah, go there yeah. once some like every few months when you have to <laughs> you take only, a test. You only go there for the traumatic experience of taking a it, test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ex- I, I equivalent it to like the doctor's office or dentist. Like oh it's gosh. not that you're yeah, afraid of thinking. the the place it's just you only go there when something shitty is happening to you. <laughs> it's like only <laughs> bad things happen here <laughs> yeah you don't remember the nice checkup when when all your teeth were fine you remember like mm-hmm. oh crap you have two you know impacted molars or whatever and we have to do a root canal tonight like oh shit yeah <laughs> great <laughs> so yeah. but so yeah I, I understood how the system was kind of in it, you know, favored people who were good at those certain things. But there was, there were, I had, I remember one particular test. I think it was one of my, it was my calculus final that I, so before every final, I calculated the minimum grade I had to have in order to <laughs> get the grade I wanted in the class. Uh-huh. And then the minimum I had to had to pass. Uh, uh-huh. Because I could do amazingly all year, but if you bomb the final, you could very easily find yourself failing Not the pass. class. You know? Wasted all that time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I remember I took a Calc 1 exam. And normally, and I, I would say this, the finals are normally in the classroom you were taught in and they're moderated by the teacher themselves, uh, which is really nice. I think it's mostly because there are too many students for them to all to use the testing center at once. So uh-huh. they have to do that. But it makes the final actually a lot easier in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I was, I, was, I was taking one of my calculus finals and I think like it was like the first three questions because they give you they gave me a, a packet of questions to do and you had like an hour and a half but you know they're twelve questions and each of them would easily take fifteen twenty minutes if you're not careful 
Uh-huh. So you, this is stupid calculus. I hate it so much. Yeah. And yeah. Waste an hour f- on three questions and you miss eight of them. Exactly. Yeah. No. So that's what they say. Like, do the questions you know first, and then you know the leftover time you can do whatever. And so I that's got the so, first question. That's such a stupid testing approach. <laughs> Anyways, that's. Yeah, I got horrible. the first question, which is on the first page, and I'm like, I'm not really familiar with those. I'm going to skip it. And then I went to the second one, and normally it's the first ones are older, the older material, and then the last ones are newer material. So if unless you studied the really old material, you know, pretty consistently, you probably wouldn't. You'd probably do worse on the beginning material than the, the later material. Uh huh. Got to the second question. It was a similar thing. I'm like, ah, I'm like I'm not really sure of it, but um, I'm gonna skip it for now. And I got to the third one, and the same thing happened. And in that moment, I thought, like, what if this entire test are questions I don't know how to answer? <laughs> That's and I'm horrifying. Fucked. Yeah. And so I literally had a moment. I and I think it's like the only time in my life where I had like a spike of anxiety that I thought was gonna result in me freaking out in the middle of everybody. <laughs> And I had to just like quell it and just kind of sit there like, okay, like let's just keep going. And luckily the fourth question was something I kind of knew and I was able to answer the majority of them and I felt confident in what I did. And I went back to the original, like when you do the questions you do know how to do, you kind of can jog your memory into the older yeah, stuff sometimes. stimulate so, your brain a bit. Yeah. And oh so I kind of calmed down, but it was like, it was a horrible feeling in that moment. In that moment, I understood completely what test anxiety was and it was just a gut-wrenching horrible i don't you know how to explain it literally <laughs> described every experience with every <laughs> test i've ever had no matter how well i knew the content that's so funny yeah um, like blanking on something that you know is so important especially when i just thought like i'm gonna have to retake this class right like i'm gonna have to pay money again sit through this entire horrible experience uh and pay money for this again and blah blah, blah. it's just like this rambling train of thought that didn't want to stop and uh-huh. my gut was i just felt nauseous and it was just it was weird i did not enjoy that feeling at all so yeah yeah um i, th- I think actually it was during a test where i'd never felt like shittier about myself before was um after after uh you know after high school went on religious service for two years came back you know how you have to take like a math course to see where your placement is for the, a degree the acuplacer, or the acuplacer yeah something mm-hmm. like that I go in there and they describe it all to me. They're like, okay, this, um, this test, it's like a two part test. They're like, this test will get harder the more you answer right and easier the more you answer wrong. Right. And (laughs) yeah. Okay. Um, and, and it was two parts. And so they're like, it'll probably take you 30 to 45 minutes, but you can utilize however much time you want. And I remember doing the first part and I just dreaded the thought of needing to take a math class again. And I didn't remember anything. I didn't remember anything from high school. The only thing I remembered was my AP statistics class and statistics. I didn't remember anything about trig or calculus or even like advanced algebra. And so as it was going, all these advanced algebra questions and stuff were coming up in some calculus. And from it... I could just plug in the ABCD answers and like work my way to the right one. And so not, not knowing like 80% of the questions, I actually scored a 91 on that because I did, I like reverse engineered it. I'm like, fuck yeah, Yeah, man. I feel so good. (laughs) And then it got into, um, some of the trig and calculus stuff. 
And I don't remember, I don't, maybe it wasn't trig and calculus. I don't remember what the topic was. Anyways, the second part of the test, it was like college level calculus, trig, whatever. And I remember it was going and I just didn't know anything about what it was asking. And so like I would do my most educated guess, got like four or five questions in. I was like, okay, these don't seem to be getting any easier. Maybe I'm getting a pattern here. This is going really well. And then the fifth question hits and it's, what is 7.1 minus 3.2? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. I, I really screwed oh my God. up. And That's I have never so felt shittier about myself. No, I, I think uh, on the one test, I scored a 91. And on the other test, I scored like a 28. Um, so I didn't even get it. Like, I could have guessed A on every one and almost gotten the same yeah. outcome. Um, but no, yeah. So from that, they, I, I did have to do a, uh, kind of like a, not like retake a math class, but like a refresher course, an accelerated refresher course. But I remember that was the shittiest I ever felt about myself. It was so bad. (laughs) Well, what is 7.1 minus 3.2? Oh, thank you. (laughs) Circle the square. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Uh, Yeah, no. The okay. I don't think I've shared this on the podcast. Maybe I haven't shared it with you. But the shittiest I've ever felt about my academic life. uh, Well, I, I, I say outside of college because when I took organic chemistry in some of these courses. You're 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 scoring tests like you're failing every single exam, but the curve is so massive that you're actually doing really well. That's but so they don't, weird. They don't curve it until the end of the semester. I was so going to say whole, you never know the whole time, right? Yeah, you never know the whole time. Like you can kind of guess, but it's also depending on what other people how other people are doing. And so it's could yeah, you it's imagine that? Like feeling. your shitty level is determined on how shittier other people. <laughs> oh, do. oh yeah, no. <laughs> And it's created this environment where you literally wanted everyone else to fail. So you did better. That's so hostile. (laughs) So I would go like I would never go to any study groups or anything because I didn't want to like my my ego is showing here. But like improve anyone else's score uh, (laughs) so I can get a better score myself. (laughs) And and so I literally thought like. The best, the oh my gosh. the best thing I can do is go to these things and literally mess everyone else up. Like oh, that would be up. the best thing not. for me, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's literally where this environment led to, right? So anyway, um, you didn't. Did you do that? Come on, no, be honest. I did not. Okay. I, I th- uh, to be honest, I thought cons- about it. I thought about it. <laughs> you were strategizing. Yeah, oh. like I said, my brain is always finding ways to to take advantage of any kind of system or process. And that was like the best case scenario. The best way to deal with this is to fuck everyone over. Right. Like this. Uh (laughs) But anyway, so besides that, uh, I was in, this is my senior year of high school. I was in my AP French class. uh, And it was near the end of the semester. I would say it was probably, or end the year, I should say, because of high school, I would say it was probably in, April even like March or April like somewhere around there and people are getting called down to the office uh randomly uh and it's it it happened like more than once or twice in my class so I thought okay it's not it's probably something to do like administratively not that people are in trouble and you said this is high school right AP yeah, this is high school. French. Yeah. Okay, you don't get yeah. called to the uh-huh. office in yeah university. no I was like <laughs> wait a minute let me clarify uh-huh yeah. So again, high school is different. So you know, you're still yeah. a 
student of public education. So anyway, you don't feel like you, you you're kind of I wouldn't say a slave, but you're kind of a drone that has tasks to complete. So if someone calls you down to the yeah, office, you immediately yeah. get up and just go, you know, whatever. Yeah. So my name gets called. I'm like, okay. I, <laughs> I, so I go down there and they're like, oh, hey, like we're going to, we're going to, you're about to graduate. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm very well aware. <laughs> I'm glad. And they say, we want to test to make sure that your English competency is up to standards. What? And I said, yeah, what do you mean? Like, well, you know, like some students, they struggle with English and we want to make sure before you graduate that we can certify that you are good enough at English. This to doesn't graduate. seem right. And I thought uh, and I thought in my mind, like I've taken honors English every year. I didn't take AP English because they told me I didn't have to and I didn't want to. I'm like, I, I was in an AP French class. You know, I wasn't uh-huh. like in Spanish class, or whatever. And basically what they've been doing is they were just going down the list of students and they were looking at people's last names. And if they had a Hispanic last name, they would call you down and test. Oh, you. uh-huh. Because like I looked at around the room and there's like a bunch of kids that I like I didn't really hang out with a bunch of uh like Hispanic kids in my high school. I I didn't hang out with any almost anyone, but uh-huh. my family groups were definitely white. Uh, but I knew, uh-huh. but I knew of them, you know, I uh-huh. knew they existed. Yeah. I, I knew Latinos existed. <laughs> yeah, I knew they did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I'm like sitting in office for like, you know, 10 minutes and I finally get called into like the testing room or whatever. It's just like a little conference room with just me and this one other person and this woman. And again, not to be insensitive or whatever, but it's my own, you know, ethnicity, my own people. Uh, she had a very thick Spanish accent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. And she like, and so she gave me like a little piece of paper and it, it was like, I want you to imagine like a coloring book uh, image. Okay. And it had like an image of a kitchen and like a mother and a father and a, uh-huh. a, a child. And again, they were all dark brown, <laughs> very Hispanic. <laughs> Already colored in. Already colored. In. Yeah, oh, it was fully man. colored. Uh, but yeah, but it, but you know, it looked like something from the a highlights magazine or something like that. You know, I thought you were gonna say she was gonna say paint the pants blue, <laughs> and you had to figure out what blue and pants oh, were. Oh, but okay, yeah, okay, uh-huh. yeah. It, it was it was so close to that. And so she yeah, said, okay. "I'm not I'm not gonna emulate her accent because I'm not uh, horribly insulted." <laughs> it was again very strong. And she's like, "Describe something that's happening in this image." And I looked at the image and. I it was so such a broad question that I didn't understand what she was asking of me, and I said, "What in particular do you want me to talk about?" And she's like, "Just describe something in the picture." And I looked, and like in the on the table, someone had spilled a glass of milk, and like one of the children was helping clean it up. And I said, "Okay, there's a, a a child. I think it's a girl." They spilled some milk and she's cleaning up. I was like, okay, okay, that's fine. And then like she asked another question, and I just thought, what are you doing? Like, what are what's <laughs> happening? Like, like I was just, and then it was just like three or four questions. Like, okay, you're good to go. And I said, and I left, and I thought, like, what an asinine waste of my time. Like, it's just, <laughs> did you get your score back? <laughs> uh, no, they did. it was just. I think it was just the teacher put like, "Can they speak English? Yes or no?" And he's checked the oh, box. You know, I was gonna say she probably wrote on there. He did not know how to interpret the the, the picture. Yeah, no, <laughs> had a hard time with the questions. <laughs> did not understand what I was asking him. Yeah, it was just. And then I just thought, like, I am in, I am in like 
college level courses now because I took I was in AP statistics, AP French, and a few other AP things. I like my grades are good. I took honors English. I am in like April of my senior year. Like, if you did discover have a problem, what the hell were you gonna do about I it? I would have like hoped it weeks? was three years ago. <laughs> like, holy yeah. If cow. I was a freshman, maybe I would be, or a sophomore, or whatever. Yeah, the second year. I whatever you want to say, you can do something. But yeah, I haven't taken <laughs> a single ESL class. I don't even know Spanish. I only know English. Like, and I kind of know French. <laughs> That is so crazy. I felt it was was so belittling. It was so like, am I a child? Like, I would literally expect my younger siblings who were like four and five to do well on that exam. Like, it was just, Uh it was just so strange. I hated it so much. Well, you were handed a coloring book page and said, tell me what's happening. And that is no, um, that is no exaggeration. It is literally like, oh, it's like insulting. It, It was, I felt insulted. Like how dare you right like how dare you you know it's, it's and i felt maybe how you felt in that exam where they're like what's one plus four like yeah it's like, like sir like how dare you <laughs> test me on this like, so bad oh my gosh you know, just, no you've never told me that story that's hilarious just, to this day like whenever someone asks me and again i don't like I I have never honestly I've never felt discriminated discriminated against because of how I look and and my race or anything and that's I think mostly because I don't look very Hispanic and I'm also pretty tall um, and so uh, yeah what are I feel you like suggesting it's, that well Hispanic people generally aren't very tall that's what I'm suggesting <laughs> how tall no, is your no, wife yeah, sir no, <laughs> oh, yeah short let's just she's say that. tiny she's short yes oh my gosh uh, man, most, that is so funny. Yeah, most of my siblings are really actually pretty tall. I think it's because it's like a nutritional thing. Like my parents didn't grow up eating the best food. And so they don't, they aren't very tall, but, uh-huh. uh, but no. Yeah. And so I like, again, I've never like, honestly, no one has ever really discriminated against me. And it's because like, I'm fairly light skinned. I speak English. I would say very well, um, mostly because it's the only language I speak. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't really my parents didn't raise me following Hispanic culture. So like culturally we didn't, we didn't even eat very Hispanic foods growing up or things like that. Uh-huh. So I, I've been immersed in the American culture completely. And so I just, anytime a little thing like that happens and again, they're really, really rare. I'm not, I'm in no way am I a victim of any kind of discrimination. I just feel like, Oh, like it's as if it happened to you, right? Like I guess on the inside, I feel like I'm a I'm a I'm a white person, basically. Like, I relate more <laughs> to white people than anything. And so, so, so imagine someone asked you, like, "Hey, like, do you know English?" Like, the hell? Fuck, of course you, I do. You know, like, what's I'd, wrong with you? Like, if it was me, I'd probably start talking to him in Spanish and be like, <laughs> and like "No, I don't know." What if it happened to you today, about. yeah, you'd be like, um, "Señor, no, no, they, no." Señor. There were actually there were actually some people in New York that I convinced I was from Santiago in the Dominican Republic because they are very fair fair skinned uh-huh. and like yeah. I had gotten the Dominican accent down and uh but uh but no um I sh- I feel like I should know this but are your parents first generation immigrants? Uh yeah, they, yeah, they both are. So th- so Spanish is their native tongue but like it is. Th- did they learn English through the states or just take a long time or, or do they speak it at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, they speak English. I would oh, okay. say very fluently. Um, they. I, took- I was going to ask, how is it that if they're, you know, because there are very many first generation migrants that 
do not and will not learn English. I mean, yes. I mean, I taught ESL forever, and it amazed me the number of people that were here 20, 30 years and just had a basic understanding of, hi, how are you? It's crazy. Yeah. No, it's... Um... So my, so my, mostly my father, he took English courses, uh, at a university level in, in Guatemala, but he honestly, he's kind of like taking a Spanish course here. Like you can, you know, words, but you don't know the language until you go there. Yeah. Until so, you're actually speaking it every day. Yeah. yeah. And so when my parents moved here, they just, it's just by immersion. They, they moved to California in the early, I would say or late eighties, early nineties, somewhere around there. And they just kind of completely immersed themselves in the language. Uh, in the beginning, they, you know, of course, relied heavily on Spanish, but they really dedicated themselves to learning English for a long time. Um, and growing up with my older uh, sibling, he, they were trying to teach him Spanish and English. Uh-huh. And when he went to first grade, he was struggling with both. <laughs> They're like, he doesn't really know Spanish super well. He doesn't really know English well either. And so they just decided, okay, we're all in on English. We're not going to even try to do this dual language thing. Man, see, uh, I'm, so, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about that with my son because my wife really wants him to, you know, speak Spanish. Her parents are mm-hmm. never going to learn English and he want, yeah. she wants him to be able to communicate with them. She wants to put him in dual immersion and, uh, you know, Spanish at home, English at school. And I, I'm worried about that stuff. I, I don't yeah, know uh, how effective it'll actually be. Like, to be honest, my like my parents, they weren't really aware of like dual immersion or like one parent speaks one language, another one speaks another, which I've seen a lot of. Mm-hmm. And so they just were and the school that my brother was going to, they didn't have an immersion uh, kind of program. They, they literally wanted to stick him into a class where they were teaching him in Spanish. And my parents were like, no, we're going to double down on English because that's the language we wanted to speak. Well, okay, it's mostly cultural, in my opinion, because culturally, I was, even though I had parents that were, you know, both first generation immigrants, they really wanted us to be American in culture, which is kind of a hard thing to parse out. Like, what does American culture even mean? You know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. like, I don't even know exactly the answer to that. Yeah. But it's mostly like, I like, we didn't play soccer growing up. Like my brother wasn't a baseball team and then a basketball team. Uh, uh-huh. We didn't uh, like I do have relatives who only speak Spanish and it's hard. to It's very hard to communicate with them. I'd say I'm better now at learn at like understanding Spanish, like hearing it. I can understand it because I've been around it so long. Yeah. But I've never had any kind of formal training for it. I, it's really hard for me to speak any Spanish words. Yeah. And I feel like when you have a child, if you're doing that, it's really easy unless you're like, and I feel like with the internet, it's probably much better now. Like you can look to resources online and articles and things like that. But back in the 90s, if you weren't an educator, I don't think you should have ever have tried to do a dual immersion thing on your own. Attempted to do because, that, yeah. Yeah. Like, again, my parents were kind of trying to do it and it didn't really work. Um, and then ever since then, with my older brother, ever, all the rest of us were like, okay, we're, we're going all in on English. And luckily, my parents are really good at speaking English. Mm-hmm. And they've only gotten better, which is nice. But yeah, yeah. no, I definitely have uh, uncles and cousins, more so uncles, more so the old generation, the ones that moved here, that they don't know any English. And it is mm-hmm. very hard for them to, to live life sometimes because of yeah. that. So, yeah, I have in-laws that have been here five years and the difference between day one and today is not very much. It's, yeah, I don't, I can't imagine, uh, 
living here and not speaking the the most common tongue. But you know, there are a lot of communities and stores that are language specific and neighborhoods and uh-huh. stuff, but I I still couldn't imagine it. It's crazy. But but that's really interesting and cool that your parents were like recognize this isn't working and then doubled yeah. down on what would work. That's awesome. Yeah, and, that, and I really do appreciate them for that. I really uh-huh. do think that that was, at least for my family, the right decision. Uh, because like you said, I, it's hard because it's, it used to be, the, the sentiment I would say a few decades ago was like the melting pot thing, which I'm pretty sure you've heard. Everyone's yes. heard of it. Mm-hmm. Or like you, you dump cultures in here and they kind of like merge into the culture into that's already own, here. Yeah. And which is why you get like, the compromise is like Taco Bell, right? Like it's an American cuisine, American <laughs> yeah. restaurant, but it's uh-huh. slightly Hispanic it's an food. Abomination, but <laughs> it's <an> yeah, abomination. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just it's not like Panda Express. It's which uh-huh. is funny because Panda Express was uh, founded by uh, people who were actually from China, but it's oh, very really? Americanized. Yeah, it's very Panda Express though. is the only restaurant I feel myself get fatter as I eat it. <laughs> But anyways. you don't feel it with like Taco Bell or anything like that. You know? No, Taco <laughs> Bell McDonald's. just makes me feel shitty inside. Panda Express, I can feel the fat expand in my body <laughs> while consuming it. But yeah, it's it's know. not it's tasty. But that's all. I'll yeah, say. it is. It's very tasty. It's delicious. It makes me feel like shit. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so and and more recently, the kind of thing has been well, you should be able to maintain your own culture within the borders of the United States because like you it's freedom right you have the freedom to form your own like you know French or Spanish or you know Chinese community if you want and yeah. and I saw that a lot more in New York I've been to you know uh, Chinatown and it's literally a slice of China like it yeah. is it is incredible to see exactly and and you've heard of like little Italy and little Italy is almost gone because all the old Italians they've been assimilated into uh, well, I would say the old Italians have been dying, and the newer Italian generations have just been Americanized. You know, just, just completely American. Uh-huh. And so, Little Italy is now just like one little street that has some Italian restaurants, uh, and that's it. Like, it's not even a thing. Yeah. So I'm kind of torn between those two because, on like on on one hand, what I've experienced is more of the melting pot kind of thing, where the majority of what I my culture is, I would say, localized or it's Americanized. There are some vestiges of Hispanic culture that we, you know, kind of hold on to. But for the most part, uh, especially on my own, I don't do any of that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like you should, you should, I think it's it's a good thing to hold on to like your own culture, you know, like your oh, parents' yeah. culture. I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. I think either extreme is a bad thing, but I, I think it's important to, you know, hold on to culture at the same time, not force it upon others. But yeah. also experience new cultures. And um, yeah, yeah that, that's honestly, just from my I, experience. Although, no, no. Let, let me tell yeah, you, I agree, I agree. if I have to endure one more Christmas <laughs> listening to Venezuelan gaita, I'm going to oh shoot my myself, man. I, that's that, that's I the can't... one thing, the one thing that I will <laughs> never accept. Unacceptable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I I cannot. It's really hard for me to listen to Hispanic music. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mostly like, it's funny because in Guatemala there's uh, there's marimba, which is fun to listen to because there's no singing. It's that instrumental super and familiar. And they in they they use like the they use like this little 
metal drum thing and it sounds almost like a xylophone it's like yeah and so it's very lighthearted. like it's very fun you know it's it doesn't have any words or anything so it's just that's fun to listen to like at a if you're at a restaurant or you're at a store like it's just background sound kind of atmospheric almost yes it's atmospheric um but if you if like uh, again i'm not from mexico so i'm not really uh, i haven't been exposed too much to mexican culture uh, so like every time there's like a mariachi band or whatever, unless I'm like specifically looking for it, I'm like, this is just kind of annoying tuba noises. Like, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's funny. Cause like Spanish guitar and like mariachi style guitar, I love, but when oh, you compile great. all the instruments together, it's no. like, please let's, let's tone it down. Yeah. Like the yeah. singing is nice. The, with like the good, the Spanish guitar is great, but yeah, you get like a tuba and but a, you add like seven all trumpets. trumpets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, Let's calm like down this. a little bit, please. Uh, I, I, and this is something, this is again, personally biased because my father, he owned a, uh, a small computer store and it was in, I don't, these aren't very common anywhere anymore, but they're, they're like these marketplaces that are like, basically it's like an indoor area and everyone had like their own stall, but there, there weren't like doors or walls, hmm. uh, at least not too many. And so it was kind of more, it's, it's like an open place that you can have a little business and it's kind of a mix between a mall and a marketplace. Like there's definitely a roof over your head. It's indoors, but it's very open. Uh-huh. And next to my father's like kind of computer store slash market stall thing, there was a, a, a Mexican music store and they would just blast that music all oh the damn gosh. time. And so he got sick and tired of it. Uh, whenever we went to see him to help him out or whatever, we were really young. We would listen to it. I'm like, this is just obnoxious. We hate it yeah. so much. That, that would so be we had bad experiences with that. Uh, but no, and most Hispanic music, I'm, again, I'm not a fan. I just, I just haven't been into it. I think you should be able to decide your own culture without anyone telling you what you should or should not do. Yeah. Uh, for example, there's a thing, and I, again, I'm not uh, biased against the black community whatsoever. Like I do feel like they are horribly uh, mistreated. But when I see on social media, whenever someone, especially if they're famous... And let's say they're black and they show who they're they're going out with someone or dating someone and they happen to be white, any race, but especially white. There's like this cacophony of people. They're like, oh, like, how dare you? Like, you you know, you're Traitor. betraying your own culture. I'm like, how dare you, sir? Like, you can do whatever the hell they want. You know, it's, yeah, that's that's the other thing. Maybe it's too controversial for podcasts, but I can't stand <laughs> cultural appropriation and how many things just piss people off. It's yeah, crazy. I feel like. There's a difference it's like, between get over yourself. Go figure out your own problems. Yeah. I don't know. I, there's a difference between culture appropriation and literally using someone else's culture just because they like it. You know, I think. Yeah. Like for example, like a culture appropriation, it has to be something that is specific and special and like maybe even sacred. Uh, uh-huh. Like, for example, uh, there are some mascots that depict Native Americans, and I think using a very stereotypical and racist depiction of a Native American isn't a good mascot. Like, that's not that's not good. <laughs> no, and I can understand that. Maybe I need to give an example of what I'm talking about. I don't yeah, yeah. remember but when it whereas, was. It, it was a couple of like, years hey, ago. Sorry. Yeah, keep going. I would say, hey, if I'm making Navajo tacos and I'm not Navajo, 
I just like the tacos, right? I'm yeah, not appropriating their culture. I just, I want to eat their damn food. Like, that's not, there's a difference between those two things. Anyway, but yeah. Exactly. No, it was a couple of years ago, a, a girl wore, and I, I don't remember what culture it was from, but a, a dress that was, you know. Of, it was a kimono. Yes, a kimono. Yes, yes. That's a classic and, example. I don't I don't know how, you know, sacred or special a kimono is. They're not. It's a dress. <laughs> They're not at all. That's the thing. It's a pattern <laughs> on a piece of fabric that she wrapped around her body. Like yeah. oh my gosh. I don't know. That see no, yeah, stuff like that bugs it, me. Yeah, that's the quintessential example is this this girl, she went to her prom dressed in a kimono and she was like obviously very, you know, white and it like and people were like, Oh, how dare you like it the kimono isn't sacred. It's a dress. You you don't say that whenever an Asian American or any person wears a very Western inspired dress to a prom. Like they're not appropriating our culture. It's just a dress. It's not sacred or holy. It's not special. Like it's obviously it is special, but it's not like it's, it's not like it's a religious symbol. Of yeah, I'm not wearing a yarmulke. I'm not wearing exactly. you know like a priest robe just for fun. It's like hey, I know these things are sacred and special, and I should treat them with respect. But if it's just like that's yeah, it just it gets ridiculous, uh, and it yeah, I don't understand. You want the culture to be expressed. Yeah, you want it. If you're taking advantage of it and disrespecting it, I can see that. If she, you know, if someone was burning Japanese clothing, yeah, that's horribly disrespectful and racist. Uh-huh. But if they're wearing it because they like it, that's a good thing. I feel like so. Yeah, yeah there are instances crazy. where cultural appropriation is real, but I think sometimes. Like you said, people take it way too far. A little bit too far, yeah. Just get really shitty about it. But and and again, the opposite. I feel like the opposite of culture appropriation is I don't think you should ever feel guilty for not adopting a culture. Like there are some people that I've met that are like, hey, how can you be of this, you know, ethnicity or this race or whatever and not like this kind of food or not enjoy this? I'm like, that's none of your damn business. Like I don't I decide what I like. I decide what I like and I don't like it. Like what do you want me to do? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Uh, and I feel and I luckily I think it's becoming more accepted because when I was really young, finding people who were Hispanic my age that did not speak Spanish was almost unheard of. I never met someone like me. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, uh, because uh, yeah, like you said, first generation uh I would, you know, Hispanics or in people from Central South America, they they tend not to do that. They tend to be like, "Hey, I'm comfortable in this language," which I understand. We do that when we Americans do that when we go abroad. We like to find English speaking communities, and we don't usually like learning other languages. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you're like, yeah, we form your little community, and you just don't assimilate. And which I think I think it's fine if you don't want to. You don't have to. I agree 100 percent that if you don't want to assimilate into American culture, that's that's what freedom is, right? That's your choice. You get to decide if you want to do that. That's uh-huh. no, nothing wrong with that. But if you decide not to, uh, you should also not be judged. Because, like for me, for example, I'm because again, my parents are from Mexico, so spicy food is definitely a Mexican thing. It's also other countries too, but it's primarily a Mexican thing. Like my mother's cooking, we she never even used any spice. We didn't even have black pepper in our house until I was like a teenager. Like that's how <laughs> <laughs> that's how it was. That's so when people are like, "Oh, you don't like spicy food," I'm like, "No, I don't like spicy food at all." And then they judge me because I'm Hispanic for it. Like, it yeah. doesn't make any sense You're to me. You're awful. How dare you, sir? Um, so when your parents moved here, were you born and raised in California or did they come? 
more I was eastward bo- before then. No, I was born in California, but very quickly, very soon after we moved to Arizona. So I, oh. my childhood is mostly based in Arizona. And then when I was a teenager, we moved where we are now. So it's, Interesting. Never knew that. But, yeah, no, I was I was born in Anaheim, uh, Disneyland. Wow. That is land. my favorite pepper. <laughs> the favorite what? Favorite pepper. Anaheim pepper. Is it Anaheim pepper? Yeah. I know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All Speaking I know are the spicy. Anaheim Angels and Disneyland. So, and those are two good things, I would say. Yep, that is. Uh Anaheim, that's a nice area. It's a, yeah, my uh, back then it was really easy to get to the area. You went there? Yeah, I was there about three months before the pandemic. Um, oh, that was nice. Went to Disneyland and Universal and stayed in Anaheim. Oh. I say, man, you were part of the lucky last group of people to go. <laughs> yeah, um, it was really good, especially because my wife had never experienced that before. So, oh, yeah, that was, that for was sure. a lot of fun for her. Um, that was oh, yeah. uh growing up my family and I went to Disneyland every single year like for 10 years in a row we'd always go to Disneyland and and other theme parks in California so it was fun yeah well, that's cool did not know that yeah um and it was Arizona has a very large Hispanic population but the neighborhoods that we lived in were almost exclusively like not so hmm. but yeah no i think it's uh i think it's an important conversation to have about culture uh you know, I think in like the society that we live in, it's very easy to to have both. Like you have people who they stick to their own little groups and you don't like them because they're sticking to their own group. And you have people who try to assimilate, but they're also kind of different. And so you're like, I don't like this guy. He's too different. And so you can't you, you can't have both. Like, what are you trying to do? Like, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So exactly. you can't judge someone for doing both. But yeah, it's freedom, baby. Freedom. It's I, I do love that in the United States where you have freedom, but some people, they think it's freedom to do very specific things. Like, I always think it's funny when people have freedom of religion, but they don't tolerate other religions. I think that's really <laughs> yeah. funny. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, it is pretty or, funny. I've always wanted because there's like in certain states, there's a big thing where like they say prayers before sporting events, like school sporting events. And some people are like, hey, that's not appropriate because it's religion in school. And other people are like, hey, I want to be able to say a prayer. And if everyone, no one has a problem with it, I think it's fine. And I'm like, yeah, but I imagine if someone goes up there and they start saying like a satanic prayer, like, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, freedom of religion, right? They can believe, they can like, why does yeah. it have to be a Christian prayer? Like, <laughs> no, I get that. And, they would get really mad. So yeah. I, think be, I would love to do that one time. Be pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I'm really glad we got to your biology topic. Yeah, you know, sometimes <laughs> it just doesn't work out. Sometimes we just go all in on the social part and yeah. that's how it goes. Hey, that's we good. did talk about uh, algae sheep. That's a yes, thing. Yes, we so. did. That was interesting. And uh, the plant that uh, I, I, I don't I think you su- ever named it, but you said there are plants. Yeah. I was Okay, um, so I was going to say... Okay, here's the biology fact of the day. Uh, th- so carnivorous plants, i.e. Venus flytraps, pitcher plants, they are still green. So they still make their food from the sun. They don't eat insects and things like that for food. They eat them for nitrogen. Nitrogen is a very hard element to get in the soil. Uh, most of our fertilizers actually are just resources of nitrogen, not so much, you know, food or anything Uh and so uh, animals are made of protein basically and all protein has nitrogen in it 
So they're yeah, they're not eating it for calories, so to speak. They're using it for nitrogen. So when they say carnivorous plants, they're not like eating meat. They're not yeah. <laughs> Um, so when I say plants that don't use the sun or they don't make their own food as much, I'm usually thinking of parasitic plants, like mm-hmm. plants that need to latch onto a different tree or something to grow. And they kind of suck out resources. So that's, I guess, kind and, of carnivorous in a weird way, but not really. So I'm sure it's not their only, and maybe this is a topic for another day, but I'm sure it's not their only source of resource or food. But what, what about like Venus flytraps? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like I said, they eat, they, they capture insects and bugs for mm-hmm. their sources of nitrogen, but they still photosynthesize. That, they still oh, make their the food same through thing. the sun. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, they're just using it for nitrogen. Um, Did I blank out there for two seconds and miss that you were talking about a Venus <laughs> yeah, trap all along? You you did, because that was the specific Fuck example I gave me, 10 man. seconds yes, ago. Okay. <laughs> yes, okay. I, I, under, I was following what you were saying, but I missed where you said Venus flytrap. I, yeah, oh, so... Yeah. Yeah, My if bad. you have a don't Venus, judge I don't me. know if I don't know if Venus flytraps don't have the mechanism to absorb nitrogen through the soil, or they just supplement it with bugs. But I, uh-huh. because people, you can go and buy a Venus flytrap. I wonder if you like never fed it any bugs, if it would be perfectly fine as long as it had good. I soil remember on, having so. them growing up, and I can't imagine you know the chances of a house fly landing on there all the time is long en- or enough to keep them going. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I haven't looked into that. Who knows? Because I, from what I hear, those plants, their roots are fairly shallow. Like they don't really go that deep. So maybe they are relying mostly on on that. But hmm. I'm gonna send you a picture of the algae sheep. It's a sea slug, so it's an animal. Uh, it's a it's a mollusk, but that's what it looks like. When you say algae, it makes me think of something super small. It is not big. Uh-huh. It's not like a sheep. Actually, like a dog that has no, yeah, no, not algae all. in it. Okay, but it's also not microscopic. No, no, yeah, it's fairly sized. Um, oh, it's kind of cute. Funny, looks like a Pokemon. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looks like it looks like a sheep. Uh, I don't think I don't even know if those are its eyes if you can see, but yeah. I was gonna say so if you look, look if you like zoom in eyes. on those little like leaf things, those are like individual uh, pieces of plants that have been acclimated into the assimilated into the, the sea slug. Huh. And Interesting. Photosynthesize. So yeah, people, you can Google algae sheep. They're adorable, but it's an animal that uses the sun to eat. And yeah. Anyway, that's your biology for the day. Most like oh, cool. I get it like an hour of uh, cultural test taking, educational talk, and then five minutes of yeah plant and animal facts. You know, <laughs> I got I got one more college question, and maybe this oh, is yes. maybe this is a deeper question than it needs to be but like i i i didn't finish college i don't have a degree or anything you know you i was working, scummy dropout i was working full-time <laughs> and going to school part-time and then full-time became a full-on career call it nepotism but i got thrown in the subcontract world became an office manager payroll manager accountant very yeah, quickly making money, just through a trade yeah yeah and like I, i'm gonna further my education go to like an accounting trade course construction something some kind of management okay yeah class yes i'm very articulate i have the best <laughs> words um but when when so you graduated got your degree uh-huh. when you apply to jobs i'm sure that that degree is vital on your resume correct yes and when i was going to school there were so many students and I was the one that was like, if I don't get an A, I'm going to kill myself. I'm really bad 
academically. Like I need to be getting a hundred percent on projects and homework because I know I'm going to tank the tests and I need to make sure I've mm-hmm. got enough to go to get an A. But there were so many students with the, the mentality of C's get degrees, right? C's get degrees. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. a very frequent saying where I went. Um, when you, okay, so say somebody got the same degree as you, but they got all C's uh-huh. and they applied for a job and you, you were the other person applying for the job. Do, do these places of employment that like actually look at degrees, do they get into transcripts or is it all just like the degree on the piece of paper is good enough and then whatever experience or persuasion you give them in the interview, you're hired? I would say that in general, the degree is the most important thing, uh, depending on the job you look for. Mm-hmm. So it's very rare. Sometimes they might ask you your GPA, uh, but in general, they don't really check. But the job I have, I, that's what I thought. I was like, okay, the main thing is just to get a degree. That's what the most thing you want. But the job I have now, they did a very extensive background check, mostly because in the job I have now, at the lab, they not only do you want you to have a degree, but they want to make sure you got a specific number of credit hours in biology and chemistry. Uh-huh. So if you can have a degree that's like very close to say environmental science, um, and as, but if you didn't have those requisites, the they still wouldn't hire you. Uh-huh. And so, but because they do such an extensive background check, and it's funny because they emailed me the file after I applied and I'm like, it, it was, they literally contacted the university I went to. The one thing they made sure I was, I actually had a degree. They asked what degree I had in, what my courses were, my GPA. Uh-huh. Uh, they contacted my previous employers and asked them about me and things like that, which was very shocking. Uh, I didn't think they would do that. Uh, but I guess they were satisfied because I got a job there. But in that instance, it would be very important. If they're literally yeah. checking on it, it is. But I would say that's outside the norm. Normally, it's just the degree. So uh, C's get rare. degrees is a legitimate argument. It's a legitimate argument. Um, I would say that it's it's funny because I remember hearing that at university. And, and all throughout high school, I was like, a, I didn't get amazing grades, but I was raised in a household that, Getting a A was expected and getting a B was acceptable, but still below what you should. Uh-huh. And C's were like, you you should just go die because C's are not worth anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, and as someone who, all, I, I usually got B's in high school. And, and my last two years, I got almost straight A's because I suddenly gave a damn about it and started <laughs> doing work. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and so when I went to university, you're like, oh, yeah, see, I'm like, how could you say that? Like. That's horrible. Like, that's an insult to everything I've ever done. Like, C's get degrees. Like, that's stupid. But uh-huh. it's a very strong mentality. Huh. But I would say you run the risk of, because if you're try, if you're gutting for a C, it's very easy to get a D and fail. So, <laughs> yeah, it's and not something say, you should ever do. It doesn't seem like the hardest thing to just work hard, not, not even, like, exhaust yourself studying and working and get above a C. So it, it, it was just bizarre to me. I, I mean, and I feel like that mentality is not preparing you enough for whatever field you're going to be going into. So I don't know. I think it reflects on you. But yeah, I just wondered. 
Yeah, no, I mean, and it, like at least in my major, that was never the mentality because most people who have my major uh, in biochemistry, they're also looking to go into graduate school or to go into medical school. Uh huh. So, and those are they Very really rigorous. do rely on your GPA for those kinds yeah. of things. So uh-huh. it was only when I was taking my generals, like general chemistry and general biology, that I really kind of I understood I saw the mentality of like I'm just going to go here, do the minimum amount of effort, and then scrape on by. Which I, as I've gotten older, I've understood more and more because uh-huh. when you're in university, you're like, oh, I'm doing very important stuff. I'm learning the stuff of my future. But when you get to the real world, you're like, yeah, I'm not using the periodic table every day or at all ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, uh-huh. uh, university and school in general is just to teach you how to, it's just testing you to see if you can stick with something for a long time and do a good job at it. I yeah. think that's basically what school is trying to do. I get that. Because if you ask me how much information I retain from my like organic chemistry class or my general biology like that, it's probably higher than average, but it's still, I'd say, fairly low compared to what it was just after I took the test. So. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Well, but, cool. I always wondered if that was a legit mentality. I never thought it was, it, but it, it definitely sounds was. like it's not, you know. It, yeah, it depends on the field, but mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely there's. I definitely met people who were like that, and that's just what they did. That's fine by me, I guess. Yeah. So, they, they're happy. That's fine. Well, cool, man. Yeah, I'm uh, excited for the biology topic next week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll I'll use it next week. I'll take it out <laughs> of my we, holster. Do, do we get a sneak peek? Or was this one of those? Holy shit! I hope we come up with something because I got nothing. <laughs> no no okay the, <laughs> um, the sneak peek I was going to come with is basically I was going to talk about your uh, gut bacteria like microbiomes and things like that Ooh. Uh-huh. it just it didn't naturally come up and like how much influence it actually has on your health it's as the more we learn about it the kind of crazier it seems that it has an effect on our lives so well that'll be stay interesting stay tuned for that excited <laughs> Fuck me, man.